Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 12 of Radio Nerd. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, a pretty uh, interesting topic. It's going to be another sort of um, riff off of representation, just in a little bit of a different way. Um, but first, uh, I'm just going to do some housekeeping, as per usual. Uh, so it's been a little bit uh, since last episode, a couple weeks here, and... Um, that was because Reading Week came by, and uh, we don't put out uh, any episodes in Reading Week. And then the week after Reading Week, I was floored with quite a bit of um, quite a bit of schoolwork, and that kept me pretty busy until nowish when I'm recording this uh, episode. Um, I don't think it's gonna be like common like it's not going to continue to happen um just know that i do sort of put schoolwork in that uh as a priority um but i've been thinking a lot about uh like the structure and nature of the show after uh i'm finished at school and whether or not i'm going to continue to do this whether or not i'm going to change the name so on and so forth um stay tuned to uh the instagram uh radio nerd underscore wlu is that correct oh now i'm second guessing myself radio underscore nerd wlu on instagram um i believe radio nerd underscore wlu is the gmail that's what i'm thinking of uh anywho uh so yeah stay tuned again just to say it clearly to radio underscore nerd WLU on Instagram. I'll make any sort of uh, announcements with regards to the show there. Um, and uh, any sort of changes to either when I'm going to be releasing it or not. I've been kicking around some ideas about like bi-weekly. That's uh, once every two weeks, not once or not twice a week. Um, and uh, I've also been thinking about uh, changes to the length of the show, you know, some changes to format and stuff like that. I haven't really uh, came down on anything yet. I'm not really sure. Um, I'll probably think about it a little bit more over the exam break, which I'll, I will be taking that no matter what. And then um, I also need to talk with, uh, just talk over some information with, uh, Radio Laurier, and as to whether or not I can continue to do it under the same name. If I cannot, then I will uh, be changing the name of the Instagram as well. And uh, if that happens, it might happen anyways, just to be safe. Um, I'm thinking about some nice like rebranding, maybe looking into some, uh, I guess, like some art stuff i have some art friends the current uh logo that's used on radio laurier is actually a picture of me drawn by a friend of mine who's an artist who um, draws comic books and it's done in the style of the old batman the animated series um like batman beyond and those justice league kind of cartoons which i really enjoy um so I don't know, maybe we'll see if uh, that friend of mine, if they can uh, maybe uh, do something for me or if I can commission someone else to do something for me. 
Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. We'll have to figure things out. Um, yeah, so again, um, I apologize for the little bit of a break. Things have just gotten a little hectic with everything going on, um, you know, including things around the world, of course. Uh, when this episode comes out, and I'm going to try to do this for the next little bit, uh, whenever a new episode comes out, I will also be linking in the story uh, some uh, resources for if you'd like to donate to the ongoing um to uh, the humanitarian aid that goes towards the ongoing uh, crisis happening in Ukraine. Um, just as a way of giving that information out in case anybody wants to use it and wants to donate or has the spare money to donate, I encourage you to do it. Uh, if I had the spare money, I would donate, uh, but I am a student. And a broke one at that. <laughs> Anyways, um... So the topic for today, uh, we're going to be talking about representation in a slightly different way. Um, we're going to be talking about mental illness. Um, specifically, we're going to be talking about um, like mental health representation, positives and negatives. We're going to be talking about, um, we're going to be focusing on mental health uh, disorders specifically in this episode. Um, Disability also has its place to be talked about. Um, the fact that ableism is deeply ingrained into our society as deeply as things like racism and homophobia are. Um, I think it's important to give that its own uh, episode and to possibly have someone in um, to talk about their experiences. I am not disabled, so um, it would be difficult for me to talk about it. Mental illness is something that I unfortunately have a close relationship with. So I feel a little bit better talking about that um, and discussing those kinds of things that uh, I have some experience with, like the queer representation episodes that I've done in the past. You know, it's something that's very close to me. And the reason why I've sort of skirted the line about talking about things like, um, I mean, I, I haven't really skirted the line to a certain degree, there are a lot of resources out there, and a lot of times I am taking from resources that are in the voices of people of color when I'm talking about the experiences of people of color um, or the uh, representation of people of color. Uh, I would love to have someone on to talk about that who is a person of color. That would be fantastic as well. But uh, like I said, that's all possible future ideas. Uh, I am next week going to be having a... Um, uh, I will say in the future, because I don't know if that episode will come out next week or if it uh, will end up being a different week. Um, but I will be having someone on in the future that I'm going to be interviewing, a friend of mine, and uh, we're going to be talking about a specific area of um, fandom and of uh, nerd culture attachment. And uh, that should be interesting to discuss that. Um but yeah, let's get back to uh, mental illness. Um, so we're just going to talk about the impact here first. What is the impact of mental health representation uh, in media? Um, 
like always, I like to start with the negative uh, because there are negatives and positives to both, to uh, representation. And that comes alongside negative and positive representations of mental health as well. These two are very closely connected, and I'm going to be talking about examples of both. I'm going to be talking about some ways to move forward from this uh, later in the episode. We're going to sort of talk about all this kind of stuff. Um and again, like I said, we're going to be focusing on uh, the depiction of mental health disorders, uh, mental illnesses, essentially, um, which uh, I'm going to you know, say up front here is something that people can't control. These are things that happen to us, just like the flu or COVID uh, happened to us. And it's no one's fault for getting a mental illness. It's no one's fault for experiencing trauma for you know, having to deal with the after effects of whatever um, instances cause those mental health issues or even the mental health issues that don't have a root cause and just happen to us. Um, sometimes people are born with it, just like sometimes people are born poor or sometimes people are born... Um, you know, queer or um, not white. These are all things that we cannot control. And these are equally things that discriminating against uh, in ways uh, are discriminatory. That sounded weird. <laughs> should I try that again, Kiefer? Yes, I should. These are things that you cannot control and that are... Uh, because they are seen as outside or different and maybe not fitting in to the uh, the capitalist society that we live in and the apparatuses or apparati that are within there, um, they are discriminated against. Uh, full disclosure, you know, uh, I've suffered from uh, depression at times in my life, anxiety. Um, I am, uh, diagnosed with ADHD and I took medication for it when I was younger and in high school. Uh, I don't take medication for it anymore. Uh, that is because I did not like the medication. <laughs> and when I became an adult, I decided that I was not going to do it. And I have instead found ways to cope with it elsewhere. That does not mean that you should discriminate against someone who does need to take medication to deal with their symptoms because that is perfectly valid. Um, I'm just saying that I am someone who was able to not do that um, because of my own personal reasons and not because of any reasons. Um, not because I see medi taking medication in any sort of way. And lots of people take medication for mental illnesses, whether that's anxiety, whether that's depression, whether that's um, more serious cases like bipolar, whether that's things like ADHD or autism. There are so many different types of mental health, uh, maybe disorders and illnesses isn't the right word to use. That does seem kind of negative. We'll just say, um, hmm, I'm not sure. I'm going to use mental health illness as a thing, but I would like to here now thinking about it i want to just like put this as an asterisk to say that um 
I, while I'm using the term illness, that is because I cannot think of another term, another word at this time. We're talking about mental health and we're talking about things that people, um, that change how people interact with society. These, uh, I know that disorder and illness are negatively associated uh, ideas. And that's another thing that we need to talk about a little bit here is that using negative language in many ways uh, and language that makes people think of negative things immediately in many ways is bad representation. We shouldn't think of these things as disorders uh, or as illnesses. You, the only reason I'm using that term is because, like I said, I haven't been able to think of something uh, of another term to use. That'd be good to think of something because I don't think of my ADHD as being a disorder or an illness. I just think of it as being the way I think. I am. I think differently. It's uh, uh, what is it? Uh, neurodivergent. Yeah, and the problem becomes that our society is built on the image of a specific type of. Uh, neurotypical um, mindsets. And that doesn't work for everybody. That doesn't work for a lot of people. We are seeing more and more. Um, it's another one of the ways, like I said previously, that uh, capitalist Western society sort of enforces its ideals upon people. And then if you do not fit into those ideals, whether they are or for whatever reason they are that you don't fit into those ideals, you are othered or cast out. And that sort of, that, that idea of othering can lead us into this idea of what negative representation does. It creates alienation and othering of people. When you see on screen someone who is autistic and they um, have uh, very obvious tics. They have um, issues with communicating with people. I think you can probably imagine in your head representations like this. That paints such a negative view of the uh, wide spectrum of what is uh, atypical, uh, speaking from societies. Um, sort of lens there uh what people experience who are autistic or on the spectrum can be so vastly different from other people who experience it just like how one person's experience of depression can be quite different from another person's experience of depression their each individual person is different and each the way that we are affected by the mental um the mental disorders that we uh, deal with is so vastly different. I think we're going to focus more today on things like depression and anxiety and things like uh, bipolar and PTSD and these kinds of things because Autism and ADHD, I almost said HGHT, what the heck is that? Um, <laughs> those 
along with other things that are like uh, labeled as learning uh, disorders and um, those kind of things probably deserve their own episode in and of themselves. And I do know some people who also um, deal with uh, that and talking to them about it might be a little bit better of an idea. This is how, this is a little look into how I sort of think about my episodes here is like, sometimes I'll get into an episode and I'll realize, hey, you know, maybe this deserves its own episode and I'm going to only briefly touch on it. So we're going to talk about like, when we move into talking about examples, we're going to talk about how these negative ones alienate other people. And we're specifically going to talk about uh, certain uh, things that people uh, deal with. And um, yeah, we're going to deal specifically with the ones that would be under the heading of mental illness because, like I said, mental health is such a wide field that it's difficult to really discuss individual ideas and discuss... Um, Hmm. What am I trying to say here? It's difficult to break it down without generalizing, but it's also difficult to uh, talk about things broadly as well. Yeah, we're going to sort of deal mostly with... I have specific examples, and you'll see through the examples that we're talking about specific things. Um positives let's talk about some positive um things that come from depiction of mental health uh when you see on screen someone suffering from something that you're suffering from or something someone dealing with the same things that you're dealing with you feel a sense of acceptance you feel a sense of not being alone and those can additionally manifest in more people educating themselves on what a mental um, disorder or mental illness can entail. They also will, it can also result in increased supports for those sorts of things that people need. This happens in health as well. If a show becomes popular talking about a lesser known health uh, issue, like a physical health issue, there's sometimes increases in um, supports for those health issues. At the same time, the same is true of mental health in that you can get acceptance as well as additional support for your specific issues. Let's go into some examples and we'll sort of use them to talk about things. Um, where it started off in an interesting area, and that's going to be in rom-coms. We're going to talk a little bit here about um, Silver Lining Playbook and its depiction of uh, mental illness, specifically bipolar disorder. Um, yeah, the sort of way in which... Uh, Hollywood specifically in cinema has portrayed uh, bipolar has been drastic and has been given unfair representation. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook, however, uh, whose main character played by Bradley Cooper, um, 
suffers from bipolar and it talks a lot about how his character pat has these periods of sleeplessness and paranoia um these uh, you know resistance to taking medication because of the, these issues an accurate portrayal essentially his Bradley Cooper's portrayal you know is a good way of showing how someone deals with the reality of bipolar disorder and how someone can um be at odds with um getting treatment because some for mental illness you know it's sometimes difficult to reach out and get treatment for those things. It's difficult to admit that there is a problem, and it's also difficult to sometimes see the problem from within. Um, additionally, you know, not just mental illness, not just affects you, but it affects the people around you, and it alienates the people, or it alienates you you from the people around you because there is such a massive stigma towards mental illness and those stigmas that surround it um, especially illnesses like bipolar um, that have had such massive negative portrayal within uh, cinema it's hard to turn that around and to erase those stigmas and silver linings playbook does a decent job of bipolar of taking bipolar and of giving it a new lens or giving it a new spotlight and showing that the people who are um dealing with it are just like us just just like people who don't have bipolar but they're dealing with an illness. They're dealing with something that makes them feel such vast sweeping emotions in different ways. And how that mental illness affects themselves and the people around them. It's important to remember that the people who love and care about someone who have a mental illness also deal with a lot of those issues surrounding it too and sometimes they deal with them successfully and sometimes they don't and putting light on that too helps people to find resources not just to deal with mental illness but also finds resources to help their loved ones with mental illness i think that is a good thing to continue to look at social support is such an incredible thing when with regards to mental illness. And there are so many, uh, so many uh, studies that have been done on how social support helps with, you know, both mental and physical illnesses and the sort of after effects and trauma that come with both. Being able to have friends who don't other or alienate you because of the health that you're or the disorders that you're going through can mean the world and can 
actually mean the difference between life and death in some regards, especially for mental illness. Another uh, good um, depiction of bipolar, actually, is uh, Homeland's character, uh, Carrie Matheson, who, uh, you know, deals with her mental illness throughout the show, just like plenty of other people in TV series deal with mental illness. Um, I don't have as many examples of that because I have not seen that. Uh, <laughs> um, I have not seen that uh, that show. But we're going to move to Jessica Jones to move into a slightly more nerdy... I know this is a... I've just been talking about a rom-com for a bit, but this is a podcast about uh, nerd culture, and we're going to move a little bit into the nerd culture. It's, you know, that's sometimes it's difficult to find good representation. I know one thing that I am looking forward to seeing and seeing if it is good representation is Moon Knight, which deals with um, a character who has... Um, what is the specific name of his disorder? It's like multiple personality disorder, but I know that multiple personality disorder is not something, it's not the correct term for that anymore. Dissociative identity disorder, that's it. Um, and dissociative di identity disorder, or DID, uh, it's uh, the maintenance of at least two distinct and relatively enduring personality states. That is a Wikipedia definition, so take that with a, a grain of salt. But um, it's good to, uh, yeah, it's good to um, understand that uh, there are words that we use in popular culture for mental health disorders, and then there are words that are actually supposed to be used for them and keeping that in mind is always important too um so moon knight is something on the horizon that's coming out later this month that could be very good in that regard i don't know i have not seen it yet it it's gonna be coming out between the end of march here and the beginning of may um and it'll it'll be interesting to see how that turns out to another marvel uh depiction jessica jones deals with ideas of um, femininity, of rape, and of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, the uh, showrunner, Melissa Rosenberg, has a, um, I'm sort of taking from a interview she did with the uh, Los Angeles Times here, um, and talking about how uh, the purple man who is the uh the villain of the first season of jessica jones is uh an abuse uh, abuser who psychologically and physically um abused the character jessica jones through his mind control powers uh these this is something that's taken specifically from the comic books and is a comic book adaptation but it's done in a way that you know gives a little bit more of a gentle hand and to be frankly honest, a female hand to issues that are dealing with a female character who is dealing with these ideas of rape and abuse and PTSD. 
Um, and I think that uh, the showrunner's approach, um, uh, uh, Melissa Rosenberg, again, uh, Rosenberg's approach is to be honest, to be upfront, and to show that this is a real thing that people go through, that this is something that people survive, and that this is something that you can heal from as well. And that the way in which she goes through and deals with Kilgrave, that's the purple man's name, uh, and how uh, his depiction is both as an abuser and also as a symbol of patriarchy is really good. It's very well done. And I really enjoyed the first season of Jessica Jones. The next two seasons, uh, less so, but uh, I, I really enjoyed the first season. The first season was really good. And the way that, um, yeah, the way that, uh, you know, the ideas of abuse and, and rape are tied up in ideas of misogyny and patriarchy and how PTSD from that is sometimes ignored, sometimes played off and sometimes, you know, completely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, given less meaning because it is a woman who's experiencing those things. And being able to show in a show that is popular and a part of Marvel, part of this monolithic um, entertainment sector that it's become, being able to show things like this in nerd culture is steps forward, especially because nerd culture also has elements of it that are members of things like incel culture, things that are highly misogynistic and that those ideas are here and present within our space and it's important to push back against those ideas and to push back against those it's important to talk about how no one is able to do those things no matter what superpower you have and how anyone you know can be can you know could have been victimized in that way even if they do have superpowers again because Jessica Jones does have superpowers just like the person who abused her does and it doesn't take someone with superpowers to abuse someone who doesn't it's just as easy for someone who is normal to abuse someone else and having an open culture that talks like Rosenberg said, honestly about um, these sorts of things is super important. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of other um, sort of depictions here. I recently re-watched re uh, She-Ra uh, because honestly it was so good. And I really enjoyed watching it the first time. And I was in a little bit of a funk myself in, in a little bit of a, um, you know, I was feeling kind of down. And I decided that I wanted to rewatch something that uh, I enjoyed and that made me happy. So I rewatched Shira. 
And um, I noticed some things that I didn't notice on the first go through. Specifically in season four, um, Katra, uh, the character, uh, is dealing with a lot of guilt and a lot of depression and uh, anxiety resulting from the choices that she had made. And these circle into ideas of her suffering um, abuse at the hands of her mother figure within uh, uh, um, in her childhood. And the differences between her experiences and Adora's experiences with the same mother and how they were both abused by their mother figure just in different ways and that those ways manifest in their life in the choices they make and the issues that they deal with and it was so interesting to see that being done in a in a show that was that's ostensibly a kids show and seeing just those you know dealing with those things as well as dealing with you know the fact that um some characters, while they're happy, a lot of the times they still have their down moments and they still deal with their issues. There are still those issues. Even someone who you think is a bad guy deals with issues, whether it's uh, Katra dealing with issues of abuse and trauma and depression, or it's Hordak dealing with issues of in inadequacy and needing to please someone who they view as above them. There are these things in there that I think is really important to keep in mind when you see someone as your opposite or your opposition is that that person could be making their decisions based on something that they went through that is so horrible that you can't even think about. That's not to say that that person should be forgiven for terrible things that they are doing, but that I think being able to bridge that gap and communicate honestly can lead to more um, occasions where we can come to solutions that don't involve violence or don't involve... Um, well, um, the police in many ways. I, I mean, I'm not really one to uh, enjoy the police. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely uh, an ACAB person. Um, and I think that uh, more and more being able to uh, have there be mental health resources instead of police action helps to both lessen violence against people who are marginalized as uh, by the police, as well it also helps people get the help they need easier instead of being thrown into a system that frankly doesn't really understand or isn't built to understand those issues. We're going to talk a little bit about video games and depiction of mental health as well. Um, something I came upon recently was Hellblade, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, which is a story about um, 
using uh, ideas of Norse mythology and sort of uh, medieval uh, era to depict grief suffered by the main character Senua um, and the sort of um, hallucinations and mental break that she experiences after her husband is killed. And the game details her journey through hallucinations that could or could not be real um, because we don't know. It's, the game never really tells you. Uh, but it's about her going through the grief of losing a loved one. And grief is something that affects humans universally, is something that can, in, that can affect mental health in so many different ways and can be affected by mental health in so many different ways. And having a depiction that is both somewhat fantastical and ambiguous at the same time, I think is important to show that mental health can come in so many different varieties and so many different uh, ways into our lives. Um, another good representation in video games is Celeste, which is a platformer game. It's about a, uh, a trans person coming to terms with their identity, dealing with the depression that's within them. Their depression being personified within the game as a character. And that is an important thing to talk about because of the issues that trans people face in our society. We're, I continue to talk about ideas of how mental health can stem so much from othering and from being a um, population that is discriminated against. Um, vulnerable populations tend to have higher rates of mental health illness. And that's because they're consistently victimized. They consistently experience trauma, whether that trauma is personal or their trauma is collective. Their trauma can be generational. There are so many different types of ways that oppression can affect marginalized people. And it continues to happen again and again. Every time someone who is suffering from a mental health disorder is killed by police officers because of the color of their skin. The community that surrounds that person and that shares those identities continues to be re-traumatized again and again. And talking about these things and being open about these things is the only way that we continue to fight the root causes of those kinds of uh illnesses something i'm going to jump to it's not how my notes are uh, labeled but we're going to jump into bad depictions and i want to jump into something specific that has affected me in my life and that also i think connects into these stereotypes that are put on marginalized people we're going to talk about addiction and how addiction has elements to it that are both societal and systemic and that elements that are genetic and that come from our parents. Um, my father dealt with addiction for a long period of his life, um, continues to deal with addiction because addiction never leaves. I have dealt with addiction in my life because as a result of 
those tendencies which are passed down. Tendencies do not mean that you get addiction every time because your parents have addiction, nor do they mean that addiction is 100% guaranteed genetically. I, I want to make sure that that's clear. But you combine some of those tendencies and you combine that with othering, with constant oppression, and you see more addiction because those people are pushed to the edge and they have no other way of dealing with it because the supports are not there. Because there's a society that stigmatizes addiction and calls it a choice. Being queer was a choice for a long time too to people. But addiction is a mental illness. It's something that happens that we can't always control. It's something that drives our life that forces us to do things that get in the way of what we want to do. Addiction is something that is so ingrained in our society because of how our society works. Whether we're talking about people deliberately trying to get other groups of people addicted so that they can buy their products, whether that is previously with you know, colonial intentions, or whether that is now with capitalistic intentions. I would say that they're linked. We thrive in this society on addiction. We thrive on pushing people down who suffer from those addictions and putting them down because we think that they are weak and it is the same stigmas that we get with regards to depression, with regards to anxiety, with regards to a number of things that make it hard for people to function in the cogs that are our system. Because that's what we are to a lot of these systems is cogs that make things continue to work. And when a cog doesn't work properly, People push it away, throw it away. There's a reason why people on who are homeless deal with addiction so much. They're at the bottom of their lives, emotionally, and very much so physically in many ways. And mentally, they need to cope with it. There's a reason why it's so judgmental for someone to wonder what a homeless person is going to do with the money that you give them. You should not be judging someone for what they need to do to survive in a system that has forced them to live on the streets, that has forced them to live in abject poverty. And then those decisions that, or those uh, systems that lead to addiction then also force those people with addictions to make terrible choices. Choices that they shouldn't have to make and choices that have no right answers. But they are so affected by addiction that they don't know what choice to make. They, don't, they just choose the choice that allows them to survive. And there are is not enough supports for people with addiction. 
I read the other day that COVID has probably caused an explosion of addiction within people, especially young people, but in every every, um, age group of people because of what we've had to deal with for two years. And there are no supports for us to deal with those things. So we turn to the things that are pushed in our face. We turn to alcohol. We turn to drugs. We turn to cigarettes. We turn to anything that makes us or that allows us to have an escape. Escapes aren't unhealthy in and of themselves. But when that escape starts to take over and becomes an addiction, there are no safety nets in our society to help. And there should be. Because there are safety nets in other countries. There are safety nets in places all around the world that help these people or help people who deal with addiction. But instead, we get portrayals of people making choices. We get idealized portrayals of people with addiction. We get addiction used as literary tropes or as part of the hero's journey that the hero needs to overcome. What about the people who don't overcome addiction? There are some good depictions of addiction, but quite frankly, they're few and far between. Sometimes we get things like train spotters, which show a real um, a real look at what it's like to be addicted to a substance and how it transforms and can end your life. In other ways, it's shown as something that the rich do or something that you can do and you can feel good about drinking every day. You can feel good about doing this or doing that. Uh, Sometimes it's idealized in stories of Wall Street, of big business, that you need to snort that to get by. You need it to keep going and to keep grinding and to keep pushing. But addiction isn't glamorous. It's hard. It's messy. It makes you make terrible decisions and terrible choices. And it ostracizes you in many ways. It pushes you to the side. And it pushes you away from the people that you love. And these are all things that could be improved by positive representation. When you think about the villain of a horror movie, you think about a crazed lunatic, about someone who's just murdering people because they like to. You think of the character from American Psycho, Patrick Bateman, uh, played by Christian Bale. You think of um, Hannibal Lecter, You think of people like um, 
the character from Psycho. Why am I forgetting so many names today? I don't... Norman Bates. You think of these characters, and you think of this as what someone who suffers from psychosis is. This is a sociopath. This is a psychopath. These people are dangerous. These people need to be... Um, need to be uh, put in homes, in psychiatric facilities. They need to be taken away from, uh, from society because they can't function. But psychopaths and sociopaths are just as much a um, victims themselves as they are people who deal with issues. Someone does not need to be a psychopath or a sociopath to commit murder. They can function within society with therapy or medication. There's nothing wrong with these people, just that they think differently. They suffered some sort of trauma, again, that caused them to feel that way. There are many documented sources for why someone could be labeled as a sociopath or a psychopath. It's also not great to use these ideas to throw around. Psychopathy takes so many different um, so many different uh, um, different forms that labeling wide vast, arrays of people is uh, as that way is factually incorrect there are so many different ways in which you can develop psychopathy there are so many different uh sources so many different uh diagnoses that could come from psychopathy whether that's someone who is is a, soci a sociopath and develops antisocial personality disorder or dissocial personality disorder whether that's a narcissist um someone who has borderline personality disorder whether that's some areas of bipolar disorder which we've already talked about mania in some ways in bipolar disorder can show symptoms of psychopathy and the problem comes here that these are people who are suffering from an illness. 1% of the population who are suffering from an illness. Think about if you've encountered a narcissist in your life. That person has done terrible things probably, but they also are suffering themselves. The more that we are able to give support to people who are suffering from things like this or to people who think they could be, the more we are able to help them work through those issues, work through those lack of restraints or those that lacking of empathy. Think about how our society rewards lacking empathy as glorified. Is American Psycho a horror movie or is it capitalist propaganda? 
The answer, I think, is satire and horror. But sometimes satire strays into territories where it will glorify. And sometimes people, especially people in North America, uh, do not understand that something is a work of satire and instead take it as literal. We need to not only portray mental illness accurately... Um, but we can also show that there are supports, give us ways that people can deal with these issues. I'm going to end off this episode by talking about how to move forward and how to do better because while yes, mental health depiction is getting much better, mental health is becoming more and more important. At least we're talking about it more, I would say. Maybe not more and more important to some people, but we're talking about it more collectively as a society. The stigma is starting to be challenged, just like other stigmas in our society are starting to be challenged. And to continue the conversation, we need to do better within our art, within our media. A good thing to do is to do research. Research can be done in two ways that should be done together. That is doing research through primary and secondary methods. Primary method, we're going to talk about secondary and then we'll move on to primary. So secondary methods are looking at papers on, uh, psych on um, um, different mental health illnesses and disorders. It's... Um, reading the uh, things from the Royal College of Psychiatrics or, um, oh, this is a UK. It's reading from um, organizations of psychiatrics. It's reading from um, fact sheets, symptoms, treatments, experts, specialists, and observers. It's reading from all those types of people. And then primary research is talking to someone who deals with these issues. Helpfully, I have a do's and don'ts list for that. Do not make someone who suffers from a mental disorder your only source. Do not just use them. Talk to more than one person. Do not bombard them with these questions unless they're okay with you asking lots of questions. Respect someone's consent as to whether or not they want to talk about their disorder because some people do not. Some people aren't comfortable talking to you about it. Ask questions that are specific. Thank them at the end of the day. Um, and ask about... Uh, Topics that are related to their uh, what they go through. Don't just ask about the troubles that they face. Maybe ask them about some good times. Sometimes when their illness maybe was a silver lining. Sometimes when maybe their illness helped. Sometimes when their illness went away for a little bit. 
or they had a break that felt good. Maybe medication helped and they were able to push through. Ask about their experiences and ask more than one person. But don't treat them... Okay, I'm going to treat them like a human being because they are a human being at the end of the day. It's important to talk to people and get their accounts as well. I'd like to put as an aside here to thank the Laurier Creative Writing Society for that list. Um, recent, I uh, had approached them recently. I'm a member of that club as well, and uh, I talked to them. They talked recently about um, depictions of, uh, of, of characters who are marginalized and of, of um, doing research, and it, it pl- applied here to uh, mental health. It applies in many other directions as well, and you can use that advice when dealing with any type of marginalized group, whether that's people who deal with mental illness, uh, indigenous, uh, uh, black indigenous and people of color, um, people who are queer. Yeah. Anyone who's marginalized, basically. You want to get firsthand stories. And you should also know that sometimes it's not your story to tell. If you want to include someone with who is dealing with mental health issues because you think you can sensationalize it, don't. At the end of the day, no depiction of mental health can be just or uh, can be better than a negative depiction of mental health. It's important to talk about it, but it's important as well to do it properly and to give it the respect that it deserves because these are things that people deal with. Just like someone deals with cancer, someone deals with depression or bipolar or psychopathy or addiction. I think it's probably good to end there. We're getting pretty close to an hour. I talked for a, a, quite a while. Um, yeah, I uh, I hope you take this to heart a little bit and that you think about this when you're next seeing something on screen or, well, I guess on screen. Most of what we're talking about is on screen. And that you think about it when you see these things being talked about or shown because there are people who deal with these things in real life and it's important to remember that they should be given the respect that they deserve as people dealing with these issues yeah have a good week and uh yeah like um like i say every time uh feel free to follow on instagram at nerd underscore uh, radio WLU, um, or uh, email us at. Uh, oh wait, I totally did that wrong, didn't I? It's radio underscore nerd WLU um, on Instagram, uh, or radio nerd WLU at gmail dot com. Yeah, have a good one.